It's been over a year now since In The Key Of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. This is Dan here and thanks for downloading this episode. Many thanks to our listeners who are financially supporting the podcast over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. You are genuinely helping to keep the series in production and more importantly, to give us space for queer voices to be heard. Share your thoughts about today's episode, the pods on social media at in the key of Q or email me direct on podcast at in the key of Q.com. And if you've a moment, please subscribe, rate and review the show on your podcast provider. <laughs> Please be aware that in this episode, my guest talks openly about suicide and domestic abuse. If you feel you might be triggered by these, maybe give this one a miss. Support links can be found in the show notes. I felt isolated. I also felt that like, you know, I had to obey because it was better to obey and be in a space that I kind of that I kind of knew, than to kind of branch out and to kind of touch un- uncharted waters. Hello, I'm Dan Hall. When I grew up, I never heard pop songs where men sang about other men, and it made me feel invisible. But these days, there are plenty of songs where men sing about other men, and we can find them in every style imaginable. This podcast is all about finding and sharing this music and speaking with the musicians who create it. Music helps us feel connected, feel heard, and know that we are not alone on our queer journey. Welcome to In The Key Of Q. This week's guest hails from Toronto in Canada. He has a number of singles out, including Till The Sun Comes Down, Better, and the 2021 release Rocky. And he has Waiting In The Wings ready for an autumn release, the record Rebel Futurism. He works for the LGBTQIA plus charity It Gets Better Canada and is a spokesperson for Pride Toronto. A big, big welcome to Rebel Will. Hello. Hi, Dan. How are you? I was looking for answers. Who oh, I was looking in the mansion. Somewhere way in the Hamptons. Who did the bomb in glasses? Balling hot at the last show. Walk up in this bitch like it's my show. Shout out to Canada in the building. Um, I'm actually born and raised from Montreal and I recently moved to Toronto. What I love about the music that I'm doing is like the chance to be authentically myself. Now as before, I was putting out a lot of different things, but it was really hard to really just be true and true to what, what my story is and what I believe in. But now I'm at a point where I'm just like, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want to do. So can you take us back to a point then at which you are not being your authentic self? I think people were able to see first and, uh, firsthand like me not being happy. Um, I felt like I was just going through the motion. I felt like when I was doing stuff that wasn't authentically myself, I was like an imposter. I want, I really... From when I started, I always knew what I wanted and what the vision was for myself. 
but I let other people who, and I'm going to put in quotes, had more experience tell me what was sellable, what was marketable. That's the word that was always thrown around. Like, you know, oh, but that, that can't sell. It was definitely depressing being, sorry, I'm like, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> um, it was so depressing going through this motion and seeing that people didn't want me to be me. It was like, that's not, they're like telling me like, that's not what the world needs. They don't need a rebel. They need, they need this other clone of this artist that's already out there. They need someone who is hetero. They don't want, no one, no one cares about stories of like your authentic stories and like what you have to bring. And then I'm so grateful that now being in a time where I got to see firsthand and that that's not the case. I got to feel validated that there's other people who do share my stories and who do share my point of view and who actually care about queer art and queer queer stories and queer voices. So even this podcast, like I'm just so grateful and so proud to be part of it because it's really it's these it's places like these are the stepping stones that make people who were like me feel better about who they are and, and help them lead to their authentic self. Thank you for that, Dan. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure. So if we roll back and we are sitting with that, that rebel will from, I guess, years ago, what is stopping that, that young rebel will going, actually, guys, I'm going to go my own way? Fear. Really? Um, I feel like, especially when I was younger, I questioned everything. Um, I, have, I have this like, inner saboteur that always says, like, what am I doing here? I'm not supposed to be here. Um, and it just, I think it just sends from always having to kind of hide. Like I'm the oldest of six. I have two brothers and two sisters. And then I have a stepbrother as well. And we, I'm the oldest of all of them. And it was kind of like, you have to be the example. So, you know, I took that for everything. If I didn't get a hundred percent, then I was mad or, you know, I wasn't only mad because like, you know, my parents would be mad. Like I'd be mad because that was supposed to be, you're supposed to be the example. Like, right. Like me owning my queerness, like I held back from that for so long because in my head and what was kind of shown around me and God bless their heart. Like we, we've come full circle now, like interacting with my family and stuff like that, but that was just not the expected behavior. So, and then now going from, you know, leaving a business degree to go pursue music and, and dance and entertainment, that was not the norm. So everything that I, I did and everything that I do, and I still have that in me a little bit, not as much anymore. I'm, I'm grown and like, thank God I've matured. Well, I hope so. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's really been, it's been that journey of, okay. Well, you have to live for yourself. You have to do what you want to do to make you happy. Like, I, I will be honest with you. Like, I went through a whole 
like depression and suicidal stage and no one even knew. I was trying to be all happy-go-lucky when I was dealing with all these inner turmoil. That would that was me a couple of years ago. I think for me, it is my breaking point was when I started like falling. I started literally falling apart. Like I got super, super skinny because I was always on the I was always on the move. Um, I was dealing with this relationship, which was never, never good. And I for me, especially like oh, I can't believe I'm sharing this right now. OK, um. <laughs> So I got I got married when I was really really young. Sorry, sorry, just to jump in there, married to a woman. No, married to a man. Yes. <laughs> um, I think the reasons why I got married was for what I wanted to feel the whole time. I got married because I felt like marriage would be safe. I thought marriage would lead me to feel like I could love myself. I could have that security and have that protection. After I got married, I like slowly but surely realized that that was not the case and actually just made it worse. I was in an abusive marriage physically and mentally. And yeah, that was one dealing with all the stuff the pressures of trying to hide that one that I was married to a man two like trying to please everybody like try to please the husband at the time trying to please the family at the time if I let the career fall then the marriage is going bad if I let if I start going back to my family again and speaking to them then then my my husband's going to be mad if I like there was just so many being pulled so many ways and that literally made made me sick. One day I was just in the bathtub and I'm just like, you know what? I don't even, I don't want to be here anymore. And I took all these, all these different pills and just went to the bathtub and I'm like, at least I'm going to have peace. And I thought that was it. And then I woke up the next morning in the bathtub and I was just like, Okay, this is ridiculous. Like, if it was supposed to happen, it was supposed to happen. But thank God it didn't. And I'm meant for bigger things. And soon as I started just clicking that, things started to really change for me. And slowly but surely, I just started to take ownership of who I am and what I am. And that's why I preach to just be their authentic self and every single day because I don't want anybody else to go through a dark place like I did. I think often problems within queer marriages, emotional abuse, physical abuse, is something that isn't spoken about that much. 
Maybe it's because so often our relationships in themselves tend to be kept hidden, that we have to keep them secret. So therefore, secretive problems within those relationships are kept even more secret. They're even further, further down into the shadows. For people listening to this, who might be in a toxic space, where they either face physical or emotional trauma in the relationships that they're in, what would you say to them? And how would you suggest they could improve their situation? I think the first thing that I would say is that make sure that in the relationship it is give and take. That's the first thing. And also, I think a lot of times people equate time to quality, which is not always, which is not the case. Like I've had, I've had friends for years who are not the same quality of friends as someone who I met a month or two ago. You know what I mean? You have to really go back and strip down to see what, like what value they're bringing. And if they're helping you improve and if you're helping them improve. Um, I stayed in that relationship for five years just because in my head, well, one, the way I got married was kind of like on a whim and it was last minute. I kind of told my family, Hey, by the way, um, I'm queer. I'm getting married. This is what it is. And I felt because of how it kind of happened, I had to prove people wrong again. You know, it was me, me fighting that. Well, I'm telling you, this is this is how I want to. This is who, I'm, who I am, and this is where I'm, I'm fighting. This is where I want to be. Um, and you're right. That's one of the reasons why everything was kind of hidden. I didn't leave sooner because I'm just like, look, I made all these sacrifices. I pretty much gave up my family at that point, and it was I had to prove. I had to prove that this is this is worth it. This is worth it. And sometimes I think a lot of people who are going through similar things like me, it's like you have to really take a step back and really see, is it worth it? Is this worth more than you? Is more worth more than the value of your own life? If you need to talk to somebody, reach out. Reach out when you can. I know it's easier said than done because you feel like people are going to judge you. But maybe sometimes it's what you need to hear so that you can actually snap out of whatever trance you're in and get yourself help. And the kick is raining down, electrifying, choking all my senses, Temptation. I've been out of that situation for six years. Uh, actually going on seven years now and it's very very much he took everything that he knew I was vulnerable about he built me up to be able to control and break me down so it's just like little things like you know at the time that when we when we got together and I was, I already wasn't in a good place with family, you know, like I kind of, I had rebelled in that sense. Like 
of that trying to be perfection, trying to be perfect cookie cutter. Like, you know, I have to be this person. I have to be to represent for all, like, as I told you, I told you earlier about like my siblings. So I just like kind of like rebelled against that. And I was like, no, I have to do my own thing now. I want to be my own person. But that younger self of me did it really, if I'm like being like, did it really stupidly (laughs) and did it really selfishly too. You know what I mean? And I felt what he did really was, yeah, build me up to tear me down. So it started off with like, okay, well, you know, um, you know, I like, you know, I love you. I'm like, of course, of course I know you love me. Uh, yeah, I love you more than your own family. I'm like, okay. And then from there, it started like, it started with that little things like that. Like, you know, I love you. I'm the person who loves you the most in this world. Okay. Then it got to when I didn't agree. Well, who's going to love you like I'm going to love you? Okay. Then we get into more arguments. Well, you know, you think your mother loves you. You think you have anywhere to go besides here. And like, I just saw it was literally that that evolution of like, I saw him more and more take control and I didn't even know how I got, I like how it gotten so bad. And then from there, it, it went from like that mental control to that physical control. Well, you can't go out. I can go out. I can do these things. You can't do these things. Why? Well, you're supposed to be at home. You're supposed to be here while I do this. I am providing. So this is what I'm expecting of you. I think mentally for me, it like it was just I felt isolated. I really felt like there was no one there for me. I also felt that like, you know, I had to obey because it was better to obey and be in a space that I kind of that I kind of knew than to kind of branch out and to kind of touch un, uncharted waters in hindsight I'm I I lot like I laugh about it now because I'm in such a positive space but when you're when you were in it it's just like I can just I can just imagine like closing my eyes and just feeling everything just like it just felt dark. It felt cold. It I'm normally a happy go lucky when like I'm smiling all the time. And in that in that frame, I literally walked like there was a cloud over me. It just it's crazy because it was really it's night and day. It's night and day. And I'm so blessed that I I'm out of that situation and I'm able to grow and just, as I said, here talking to you about it. And it's incredible. You woke up the following day in that bath, not expecting to wake up. Yeah. And it really was. It, you couldn't write a script better than that because water is all about birth and rebirth. And you sort of woke up born again, almost yeah. in the sounds of it. It sounds like a proper renaissance. Yeah, absolutely. And the worst part is, is that soon as I like, and it sounds so like cliche, it does sound like a movie, but literally I woke up. The next day I had, I had gotten, finally gotten a call saying that I got accepted to do like, to go into the program that I wanted at school. So then I started, I went back to school because 
I told my parents, like, I that's one of the things I promised my mother when I dropped out the first time, I would always go back and finish. I went back and finished. Then that's when I met my management to, like, start doing, like, you know, I was doing school and then music, like, part-time, both part-time, starting to build from there. And then after I finished school and I got to go full-time and everything just went full circle, like, I got to now work with all these opportunities and stuff like that and start doing things that like, I never thought I was able to do. So that moment for me will always be a pivotal moment. Rebel as a kid um, was definitely so one of my biggest highlights I used to love to do like I I come from a really big family so when we did like holidays like holidays were the best for me um, because I being the oldest I pretty much told everybody what they we had to do at that point <laughs> so um, during holidays we would set up like these like like what I call like plays and like pageants so everybody I would organize some everybody had their own like talent that they would have to showcase I'd make them do like opening numbers so I choreograph dances and write them songs I'd be playing on the piano as they're like singing the songs for like Christmas and Thanksgiving and some of that and we charged our like my aunts my uncles and my grandparents money to wash oh my god you charged them of course I'd hello (laughs) okay of course you did right and what we did is every time we charged them, we put the money in a fund and my my siblings and my cousins, every single year at New Year's, we'd have this big like pizza party and countdown together. So all that money that we worked hard throughout the year would go towards that big like New Year's blowout. And like we did that, I did that consistently until I was like 15. <laughs> so yeah, it, honestly, like that, when I think of it, like, I I was always like just organizing. I was always singing and dancing. I was like, we were going, we were, like me and my sister, we were going like thrift stores and like get stuff, cut it out so that we could, we have different costumes for our cousins. Like, it, I was a lot. <laughs> oh my God. Was, <laughs> what, you sounds like you're a wonderfully precocious sort of theatrical producer. <laughs> I was a lot. Like, that's all I'm saying. And then like that also trickled that trickled into like high school too. Like I was I was in charge of leadership. I was in charge of student council. I ran Black History Month Productions. I ran the dance show, the fashion show. Like I was constantly running like running stuff. I did track and field. I did soccer. Like I was I, I always had to be busy. So that was always me as a kid. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm sorry. My schedule doesn't doesn't take for this. Like, it's like 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, um, I, I'll have to pencil you in because um, between my CPR course and me babysitting here, I have like maybe half an hour so I can schedule in a call then. Like, I could give you a window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is unfortunate. Like, I don't know if that's fortunate or unfortunate, but like that's always been how I've been. Like, <laughs> Do you know what, Rebel? I'm surprised that you didn't try to bully one of your younger siblings into being your agent or your PA. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> I probably did. <laughs> if you want to have a window with me, if you could speak to my sister over there, I'm sure she'll find you a slot. Right. I was definitely like a queer kid. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, not not saying that, that those are all the um, the attributes of someone queer, but like, I always knew there was a little bit like, you know, like a little bit of sass. There was always that little bit of sugar there, you know? So moving into your teenage years, what say is, 15 year old rebel like beginning to be lost um so around that time i had recently lost my father so it was very very much trying to understand where i fit in i was also starting to have the feelings that like you know that i am attracted to men so it was again that balance like trying to okay well how do i address these feelings that i'm feeling while still being the picture perfect person i'm supposed to quote unquote be so yeah that was i feel that sense of loss is a reoccurring theme that happens throughout my teens and my early adult and even still now like i don't feel like i'm lost definitely don't feel like i'm lost anymore but i feel like i'm this for the first time in my life i feel like i'm starting to get on the track that where i'm to belong whereas 15 year old me was terrified of everything i was terrified of taking a wrong step i was terrified of like looking back and not seeing the reflection that I was supposed to be. I felt that there was an expectation that like, you know, by this, like, even then, like I'm a goal setter, but I realized like I ha I used to keep like these like journals when I look back and like was like reading them, like at my grandparents' house. So like, this was like maybe two or three years ago when I'm looking back at it. And when I just read like some of these like these goals that were just so unrealistic. They're like, okay, well, you're going to be a shirt. Like you're going to be here straight A by this. You're going to graduate by this. You're going to do this because you're going to be in this, in this business by this age and that like, and it was so, it, it just didn't leave room for exploration. It didn't, it didn't leave room to actually like figure out like, is that what you actually want? Or is this what you're, you're kind of being fed? Like, you know, so yeah, I feel like that's that's kind of where I I was, especially at that time. Did did music or art or something at that stage start to become a space of refuge for you? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, music has been my refuge from the beginning. Every time any emotion that I that I felt. I equated it to a track. It was a soundtrack of my life. You know what I mean? Like even when I think that's why 
the top, those, even my top five songs, they all come from a place like they're all memories. Like they're all memories that I loved and I grew up with. And I could literally sit down and remember when I first heard that, the, a particular song, what I was feeling, what the smell that was around me, where I was, like typically, like that's what music does to me and dance as well. Dance and music saved my life. I don't care what people say They can call it anything they like I got lots to give away There's no point in living lonely, lonely, lonely But my body's shouting out so loud And it's calling out your name Do you want it? Like I did it now Come and save me from my pain Cause we're young, wild and free And we're hot, hot, hot blooded I've always, I've always been in tune with music. I've always written it and I've always um, choreographed. Like entertainment really been a staple of my life. From the beginning, um, I told you with my pageants to now, like I've always done that. Um, so when I got younger, I started actually working with like a lot of artists in Quebec and they kind of, what kind of happened is like, I would be working with these artists. I'd be kind of giving them like the, the, all these ideas and sending them demos and like, you know, helping them create their own brand. And then by the end of it, I was just like, why am I doing this? for others when I could literally do this myself. I'm teaching them how to be me. Actually, I started recording at 18, but nothing serious really started until like about four. Yeah, I'm on my fourth year of like being solidly an artist. The more and more I record, the more and more I get comfortable with what I want to say, the more and more it feels authentic and the quality just gets better. Even if they don't like it, I love it. And it's literally reflective of who I am wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like it, it's because you you don't we're not on the same vibe and same frequency. And I accept it. I am proud, queer, black man. So what would that 15 year old rebel? that we were talking about earlier. Think of the rebel now. Proud. I think he'd be proud. I think he would look up and see someone that, like, you know, that he thought that he could actually be. And I think whatever that goal, that goal that he was setting, he could see that it was possible because People loved him for him and not what he was trying to be. So you think the 15-year-old would see you now and believe that that is a journey that he could do? Absolutely. Absolutely. For those people who are listening to this show, Rebel, and they're absolutely falling in love with your music, where can they find you? So you can find me on any streaming platform. Um, just search I Am Rebel Will. Um, 
my new single is coming out on May 28th officially called Addicted. It's the first leading single for the new project Rebel Futurism, which is going to be out in, well, I'll say late fall. Um, And yeah, just when you're listening to it, I just hope that you see the journey and the growth. If not, it's okay. (laughs) But I would love for you guys to see that. Do you want it like I need you now? Come and save me from my pain. I'm young, wild and free. Have a hurt, 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 bloody, bloody. There's a fire inside of me. And I'm hot, 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 bloody, bloody. Rebel, who should I be listening to? What other queer artists should I be listening to and begging to come onto the show, do you think? Okay, well, you definitely need to talk to Tafari Anthony. Um, he is this amazing pop R&B singer from Toronto. And he was recently featured on like Gay Times and he's doing major big things. And also co-wrote a lot of the songs with me on my upcoming project. So he is definitely one to look out for. Um, another artist um, named Bronze Avery, who is amazing as well. He's from LA. Um, and there's another artist named Vincent, who is also an R&B singer. And he just put out a, a single and it is beautiful and still makes you want to dance. So, yeah, those are definitely my three, my top three career artists right now that I am out here supporting wholeheartedly. and. Yeah, really looking to. Does does listening to queer music now still... Is it still nice for you to listen to queer music, to other people's queer music, and see yourself or versions of yourself and versions of your story reflected back through the speakers? Definitely. Oh, my God. Like, like, honestly, as much as, like, I'm not... Like, I love hip-hop and I love love rap, but, like, I could take it in in doses, you know what I mean? I have to be in the mood for it. As I said, like, I'm an R&B singer. Like, I'm an R&B connoisseur from top to bottom. Like, that's all I listen to. That's all that's been playing in my house since I was, like, a baby, you know? But what I love, like, I love Lil Nas X for what he's, what he's doing. Like, you know, the boundaries that he's pushing. The last three artists that I told you are proud, black, queer men, like doing their thing in this industry slowly but surely. And that representation means everything to me. So they will get my support from the beginning to the end. Um, Yeah, like, I think it's so it's so nice to hear. And especially. Especially because, you know, as being queer is already it's already like a hard a hard track to kind of follow being a person of color and queer is even at even higher level degree so to see these black proud men out there and just claiming who they are and owning it like i couldn't ask for anything more and 
even five years ago, I don't think we would be in the same spot. Absolutely. And for those listening, I'd like to remind everyone to maybe take a listen to our Black Queer America special, which is a two-parter, two-hour discussion that is presented by the wonderful Carrington Kelso. So do take a listen to that. It's on the usual podcast platforms and where you found this place. Thank you very much. And finally, I have one final question for you, my lovely. Okay. Yeah. Now that I've made you laugh and made you cry. Right? Like, (laughs) all these emotions, Dan. You'll be like, when she got off this, you'll be speaking to your agent going, yeah, thanks for putting me in touch with that man. You know, that that bloody man made me cry at 10 a.m. He just just emotionally slapped me for an hour and a half. Well, honestly, like I didn't expect to talk about what we did. So I'm happy we did. But like, wow, sir, you're good. You're good, sir. (laughs) People listening to this episode will undoubtedly have completely fallen in love with you. So what is going to be the best song to lure them into the rest of your catalog? Just one song that we'll use as our closing credits music to persuade people to listen to everything that you've made and everything you're going to make. What do you think that song should be? Oh, that is easy. Um, actually, I love all my babies. I promise I do. Um, but this song, Addicted, by, by, by me, it's really the, the song that I, I think will make you fall in love. And I think it really represents, as I said, where, where I am right now and where I want to go. So it'd be the perfect catal- catalyst to kind of show the bounds of like the evolution of where I've been going. I'm a self-diagnosed recovering addict Loving you was my bad hand, babe Loving you was nothing healthy for me No, it was never, never good for me And now Lay awake at night, I'm trying to catch my fix, I'm slowly dying Ladies come and go and not the way You know I got that reaction, a temporary fix And maybe another glance from you, yes I need my head I'm addicted to you, to your love I'm addicted Rebel Will, thank you so much for joining me and joining our audience here on In the Key of Q. It has been wonderful to hear you talk so openly about your story and share your music, your passion and your story with us. No, honestly, thank you so much for having me, Dan. Like, I really appreciate it. And we definitely need more queer platforms like this so to amplify queer voices. So thank you for doing what I call the Lord's work. <laughs> Many thanks for listening to this episode with Rebel Will. And remember, there's exclusive content over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. There you can support the show for as little as five US dollars a month. 
Tell me what you thought about today's episode with Rebel. The pod's on social media at In The Key of Q or email me direct on podcast at inthekeyofq.com and rate and review the show on your podcast provider. It really, really does help. Our theme tune is by Paulie Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com and our publicist is Paul Smith at paulwsmith at gmail.com. Many thanks to Karjen Kantha and Murray Lang for their support in making this episode. The show is presented and produced by me, Dan Hall, and made at Hup Media Consultancy. See you next Tuesday. Do, 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 do.